0: for the reasons why. I'm going to shift gears a little bit, so this episode is going to be a little different. I want to tell you what brought me here, and why I'm doing this. So I'll give you more of a backstory on me, a little bit of my family, and whatever else I ramble on about. Talking about this is something that I do struggle with, because... I'm not naturally comfortable feeling so exposed. Sky went missing in 2008. It is now 2022. So if there's one thing I can stress is that this type of trauma, this type of journey is not quick. The three days of bereavement that your employer gives you will not suffice. And if you compare yourself to how others appear In the sphere of healing, you will be depressed because healing is not a linear journey for anyone. And yes, people can move on, but some people never do. So if you find yourself in a situation where you're dealing with a loss or you can't come to terms with something that happened to you, you know, a week ago five years ago 20 years ago and you feel stuck I don't know if this will make you feel any better but I'm stuck too something I've learned throughout all this is that there's just there's no deadlines there's no end goals there's just I don't know I guess existing on this plane of ups and downs and it's not a great place to be But I guess if it's where I am, I guess I'll make the best of it. But why am I doing this? Why am I doing this now? Early on, I wasn't strong enough to talk about this. It was too difficult. I was consumed by the guilt of not being able to get more going in terms of an investigation. I didn't know where to go when we came back from Japan. We were exhausted, and I think we put a lot of hope in the powers that be to continue on with the investigation, to look into more clues about what could have happened to Sky. So when we returned back to Connecticut, we just waited. It was just a waiting game, and waiting was awful. And this was difficult with my family. It was difficult to talk about Sky with my family, about the whole disappearance. Everybody was overwhelmed, and it was just easier to not say anything at all. I had never really experienced a very close and intense personal loss. I had never witnessed my parents cry if anybody had died. We are all very closed off from one another, and we just don't talk about things so i let the guilt and anger and confusion just eat me up inside cuz everybody else looked like they were moving on with their lives i had to i had to do the same i had to at least pretend sky's disappearance created a very definitive before and after situation in my life of who i was before the disappearance and who I was going to be after. And situations like this, traumatic events, depending on your age and your upbringing and all of that, it's all going to look really different. I was 24 when Sky went missing. The things I thought I knew and the person I thought I was just didn't matter anymore. The things I wanted to do in my life, they just basically disappeared. The ambition, the drive, it didn't have the same effect on me. It just didn't matter. Like, everything lost its purpose. And Sky's disappearance basically became the main storyline in my own life. But that complicated things for me. It made me question what kind of tone it would put out and what it would look like from the outside if I just started talking about it all the time it felt consuming. It felt like it was my personality. I was afraid that in a way it would make me look like a narcissist to other people, that I was doing it for attention. But what this did was just, it took away everything that meant something to me. And in a way, I wanted to just try to reclaim myself. I needed to talk about this. I needed to talk about what this was doing to me because i didn't understand but it's an exhausting topic and you can alienate your listeners very quickly and early on my only listeners were friends and family and i was literally i always felt like one step away from being that crazy person with a chalkboard or a whiteboard with some red string in a closet that nobody had ever seen before. I could tell that if I hung out with friends that my energy brought them down. It was I was an elephant in the room. And I let a lot of this, what I presume to be outward negativity, this commentary, that I kind of just made up in my head, dictate how I lived my life. And it drove me crazy. Not only was I going through countless what if scenarios about what could have happened to Sky, I was going through the same kind of scenarios with just regular conversation, like talking with other people about Sky's disappearance and it just it, I just went down a, into a really dark place. And though I know that there are so many other, there's countless other families who are in similar situations with missing loved ones, I know that they could be a resource, but I find it very painful to dive into other stories because it it fills me up with more guilt about things I should have done, things my family should have done. It exposes the lack of standards across town police and state police and just the federal government and international laws. And I discovered that there was a lot that was done in order to find my sister, considering it is international. But it still never felt like enough. So knowing that other families have been at such a disadvantage, just broke me. I have no clue how to advocate for others when my own sister's still missing, and I still feel like I'm in a million pieces. But even if I was able to devote all my time and resources to Finding Sky, you get to this point where you just wonder if it's even worth it. I question that would I would I even know Sky? Would I even have a close relationship with her if she had never left? There's it's something you just have to. It's hard to come to terms with because you don't know where life would have taken you if things hadn't gone this way. And even as I ramble on and try to put into words and conceptualize for you what this has been like. It's more than just a one-sided storyline. It's layers and layers of complexities and the way it exposes the failures and the systems that we live in. And it creates another layer of despair that inevitably you have to come to terms with because one person alone can't change it on their own. So my efforts in putting out more information about Sky and bringing awareness to her situation is in turn a way for me to cope with my own life and my own pain, to try to find some closure. Not knowing is the fucking worst. And having or holding out for any hope is fucking devastating. Hope is the most dismantling of all feelings that I've ever experienced. I can handle the gruesome what if scenarios that play out in my head, but it's hope that fucking is the nail in the coffin hope that I could see your face again. So how does one even begin? How did I get here? Part of it was due to becoming a parent myself. Another part was working in the healthcare system during a pandemic. And another part was just wanting to run away from everything. But I couldn't run away. In a way, I ran away myself um, seven years ago when I left Connecticut. But you can't run away. You can't. It just doesn't work. You can physically leave. But the pain that you hold inside is always there. No matter where you go, you are always there. So as silly as it felt, I started talking about this on social media. I started a TikTok account a few months back last year. I had quit my job, and I was about to face um, just kind of a lack of direction. Though I was going to be at home with my son, I no longer had the shield. Uh, I I no longer had a distraction. I'm good at dissociating and disconnecting. I keep my private life separate from work or, you know, I keep things in compartments. But I was scared to actually not go to work. To just be home with a small child and be home with my thoughts. So my husband was actually the one that gave me this idea. Start a TikTok and just, you know, talk about your feelings. And honestly, it felt really silly to sit alone in my apartment and talk to my phone about my feelings. (laughs) I didn't tell anyone I knew that I was doing this. I just wanted this to be like an outlet just for myself, just to see, you know, what talking into the void would be like. I never anticipated anybody would care or see this. I wanted to talk about what really consumed me. And that was my sister Skye's disappearance. And it's a difficult subject. It's difficult for other people to hear. And even if I talk about it with my own friends and family, it never felt like a subject anybody was happy or excited to discuss. And mind you, I'm never really too excited to talk about it because it hurts. So being able to have an outlet without having that feeling of burdening somebody else felt like maybe it it could be a good thing. I can be open and honest about my feelings and talk about what this has actually done to me. It's been 14 years since Sky went missing, and that's 14 years without having any answers as to what happened. The not knowing is by far the worst thing. It invites endless speculation countless what-if scenarios, an endless stream of intrusive thoughts. It calls into question everything you know. It raises doubts about the systems we have in place. But at this point, what is most interesting to me after 14 years is the fact that this just feels so normal to me. And I've had to learn to shed some of the weight that this has on me. But it isn't it isn't gone, it's just exchanged for guilt because I've had to allow myself to continue living even when Sky can't. There's no manual out there for what to do when somebody goes missing. It's like, <laughs> it's like when you're a new parent and there's no manual on how to be a parent, but you got this new life that you have to take care of. There's also no manual of how to go on living when somebody you love is missing. So while starting a TikTok page and talking about my sister's disappearance didn't feel normal at first, I never really expected to feel normal about actually having a missing sister. About a year after my sister's disappearance, I did check myself into a hospital. I was depressed anxious. I couldn't focus. I was suicidal. I couldn't stop my own thoughts. All of the worst case scenarios that you could imagine, plus like couple that with horror movies, you know, like crazy narratives that I just could not control. It was affecting my everyday life. It was all consuming and I had to check myself in, like I couldn't have my parents lose another child. I was only there for a weekend and I remember being in a room with like a boardroom full of doctors. This was after being humiliated with a strip search and a humiliating exam, having an EKG done in a closet where the tech had ripped off my gown. And I sat in this boardroom, and I told them, all of these doctors, about what was going on, about my sister's disappearance, and the thoughts I couldn't control. They sat there in their white coats with their heads down, barely acknowledging my presence. And then one lone voice spoke up from the head of the table, and had the audacity to ask, why don't you just stop thinking about it? I don't think I had ever felt that kind of rage before in my entire life, and I don't think I hid it from them either. If that woman was closer to me, I might have ripped out all of her teeth with my bare hands. I don't like to admit that, to say it out loud, because it makes me feel a little unhinged. But I feel like in my heart, I was rightfully so, to be that mad and that unhinged in that moment. But in reality, I just sat there. I sat there and I didn't say anything. I tried to keep my composure. And nobody else spoke up in the room. It was in their silence that I felt the deepest despair of my life. The loneliness of... I'm going to have to figure this out on my own. I never expected miracles to happen (laughs) with a hospitalization. I never expected to find a cure for what I felt. I think I was only looking for somebody to say that it's going to be all right. And I didn't get that from the doctors or the nurses there. But I did find some hope there. I was in a room with two other women and we were on suicide watch there was an older woman, maybe in her 50s, and she had just a sweet presence. The other woman was just a little older than me. She was about to get married, but had just found out that her fiance had cheated on her and had just called off their wedding. And that room that we were in was just filled with sadness. This sadness that we had just been expected to shoulder. A sadness that we couldn't express to anybody because we were just told to fall, fall in line, to not be a burden to anyone else. But we all have our limits and our limits all look different. These were women who have been (laughs) gaslit and have just been pushed to their limits. But within the walls of this room that we shared in this behavioral health unit, I experienced hope for the first time. There was something about sharing this commonality of just emptiness and despair that made, I think, all of us feel a little bit better. The unit was circular in shape and there was a lot of downtime. And at some point, we just, all three of us, started doing laps around the unit not running just like walking and talking and there was this kind of like freeing aspect of being in a place like that where you can be (laughs) a little unhinged and it's okay because you're in an environment that uh, is ready for it and I didn't feel sad you know when I was walking around the unit with these two other women And unfortunately today, I don't remember their names and I don't even think I could pick them out in a crowd. But if they were ever to come across this at any point, I would just love to thank them for just making me feel a little normal in such, you know, an unnormal environment. So in a way, having this outlet on tiktok and now with this podcast you know it's just something to help me connect with other people who feel a little unhinged at times and yeah like to help connect with other people and make them feel a little less alone when dealing with events that they just have no control over and somehow it's easier to connect with strangers over tragedy than it is to connect with your own family over it everybody in my family has dealt with sky's disappearance differently my mental health has suffered tremendously because of the event and i had sought out a multitude of therapies with (laughs) varying degrees of success ultimately, I was at the mercy of what was available to me in the area I lived at the time. So while I do support and urge people to get help for their mental health, I do realize that there are limitations. And I knew that nobody was ever going to give me the answers that I wanted as to what to do and how to go forward with living with knowing that my sister was missing. It's just something that you eventually learn to live with. It's just going to be the burden that you bear. And I've had to accept that this is my normal. But no one else in my family has ever sought out any kind of therapy to handle this trauma. And because of that, I feel like there is a disconnect between me and my family in actively dealing with this and actively healing, which in a way causes a different kind of trauma. Ultimately, I can't tell someone what I think is best for them. Everybody deals with trauma differently. We all process information differently. So I've had to take a step back from my own family. Because I need to talk about Sky. I need to have an open dialogue. But they can't do that. They don't do that. And that creates this whole other type of isolation that I've had to learn how to live with. So while I have learned how to live in this <laughs> new normal where I'm stumped now is trying to move this investigation along on my own. It's hard to delegate tasks to a family member when they already feel so overwhelmed by just the thought of Sky missing. And I never want to shame anybody in their capabilities and the limitations that they have in a situation that requires so much that is intensely stressful when you have to enlist other authorities and explain the situation over and over and over again it's just it's re-traumatizing even if I had the intellect and the ability to combine all of the world's vocabularies, I don't think there would be the right arrangement of words that I could put together to really explain the intensity and the isolation and just the, oh my God, the overwhelming just life. And the I, I can't even explain to you what this feels like, to make it make sense. But even though I know that I can't always connect with my own family members on these issues, I know that there are other people out there. Soon after Sky's disappearance became more public, there were a lot more people that felt comfortable around me and not in a way that I ever expected. Because trauma sees trauma. I had a few co-workers that opened up to me about murder that they had experienced within their family. About abuse, domestic violence, addictions. People who had been suffering themselves for a really long time. People who couldn't afford an outlet or resources or just... Time in order to get on top of these issues. People who were just being eaten alive by their own thoughts and burdens. But this was early on, and I didn't have the tools or the resources or the words to comfort these people. But I don't think they were looking for comfort. I think they just were looking to be seen Because they, too, kind of saw what was going to be coming for me. It's a kind of isolation that only trauma brings. They saw it coming for me. And they had been living with it themselves for years. And honestly, their openness and their vulnerability was so powerful to me. Their pain scared me. But it also comforted me, because it made me feel a little less alone. It was one of those situations where it's like, you're together, but alone. But as long as you're together while you're alone, (laughs) I guess, I guess you can be okay. I feel like I'm rambling a little, because I know it's been 14 years since Guy went missing. And I know that I can speculate for another 14 years. And it's something I wish I wasn't so comfortable with at this point. And the more time goes by, the less the the chances are of recovering anything. I think we were very lucky in the beginning when we were able to access Sky's email. If we had not been able to do that, we may have never found out that Sky went to Japan. We would have just informed the Southington Police Department that Sky was missing and the search would have just been isolated to the areas that we thought she may be. I often think that Skye's way of living was ideal if you wanted to disappear. She didn't have a cell phone, didn't have a credit card, there was like no way to keep tabs on her. She was always a bit of a loner, but everybody in the family was. It didn't ever alert us. The notes that she had posted on Facebook were depressing, but it didn't really shock me because it sounded very similar to my own thought process at that age. You know, it started even younger for me, and it may have started younger for her but we never really talked about that kind of stuff. And I think that there are a lot of families out there who feel disconnected from one another. We live under the same roof, but we feel isolated. And I've just been trying to break that, to break out of what was always comfortable to me, which was to avoid and just remain quiet. I wish I talked to her more, when she was going through that, to make her feel less alone, to let her know that I understand and relate. I don't know if she would have responded well or if she would have been comfortable talking about it, but I could have tried. I think I just beat myself up because in hindsight, yeah, we could have done a lot more. And even now, in hindsight, over all of these years, not having the resources or the capabilities to move this case forward just fucking sucks it's just anger layered with disappointment layered with (laughs) anxiety and depression that i wasn't strong enough to do more so i had to figure out how to do more and that kind of brings me To where I am right now. And why I'm doing this. Even if I had the ability to go back in time. I don't know if I would have the ability to change anything. To change anybody's mind. To change Sky's mind. The only thing that I've ever had control over. Was myself. Even today. When I reach out to my own family members. I know I can't change them. They may never... Be comfortable talking about Sky, talking about their own feelings, facing them, acknowledging them, giving them space. Some people just bury it. And I don't know how to help them deal with it. Just like I didn't know how to help Sky then. But the only thing I do have control over is helping myself. And there's been no playbook for me there's no manual on how to handle this so this is why i'm doing it this way this is why